You're listening to the 2009 Jack Straw Writers' Programme. Writers' Programme curator Donna Miskolta sat down for an interview with writer Priscilla Long. What connections are there for you between the literary and visual arts, and how are those connections reflected in your work? I think that writing is a visual art, and as a poet, I certainly work with sounds and with images, and I think there are a lot of correlations between visual arts and poetry. To me, you can take a thread of any color and you can draw it to anywhere in the world, and you can draw it to the deep past and to the present and to personal things and to political things or to uh, scientific things or to anything. So as you make these connections, are you keeping your reader in mind? I don't think of the audience particularly except that I want to get to the deepest place in the work in terms of meaning but also in terms of using the language. Now you'll hear Priscilla reading her work at a live performance at Jack Straw Productions. This piece is called Rhapsody in Red, and eventually it's going to be part of a color wheel set. And uh, it is meant to be a painting in words. Rhapsody in Red. Red is blood, and blood is good. Red-blooded Americans. Red-blooded black Americans. Red-blooded, blue-blooded Americans. Blue-blooded black Americans. Red is the color of blue blood, and blue is the color of good blood. Does blood run blue in the blue-blooded dead? I'd rather be red. I'd rather be cadmium red. I'd rather be cadmium sulfide heated with selenium red. Cadmium as pigment, as element, as atomic element number 48 on the table of elements. Cadmium as elemental red. Elemental as iron oxide, as the reds of Lascaux, the reds of the cave paintings of the cave dwellers. To them, red was a necessity. They dug lumps of pure iron oxide out of deposits of clay. In Texas, in South Africa, there is evidence of arduous treks to hematite, to sources of iron oxide, to sources of red. The necessity of red, symbol of blood, symbol of life, symbol of death. The search for red pigment is thought to be the origin of Homo sapiens mining, mining for the color red. Our ancestors knew the necessity of red. At night, they looked up. They must have seen Mars, the red planet, Mars of red dust, thin air, carbon dioxide atmosphere, canyons and immense craters. Mars cold and dry with its dried up riverbeds, rivers of ice, oceans of ice. Mars of the high mountains, Mount Olympus rising 17 miles. Mars, our terrestrial red neighbor in the night sky, where water once flowed, where life may once have lived. 
There today, two NASA rovers, Spirit and Opportunity, roll along, photograph, sample, analyze the red planet, its ancient lava flows, its iron oxide dust, its hematite, its river-rippled rocks and howling winds, its red stones. The red stone is the alchemist stone, the spirit stone, the secret stone, not ruby or garnet, not hematite, cuprite, vanadinite or zincite, not cinnabar, not realgar, not fire opal or carnelian. The red stone is the philosopher's stone, the stone sought by medieval alchemists, the stone whose tincture transmutes lead to gold. The alchemists cooked concoctions utilizing secret formulas and encoded instructions, projecting, as Jung saw it, psychic transformations onto their bubbling cauldrons and stinking pots and steaming alchemicals. Today's alchemical seekers wonder what the philosopher's stone really means. On the alchemy website, they say it's consciousness, the self aware of the self. One seeker writes, it is, of course, the inner man which is to be worked on, the rough edges to be smoothed, the stone to be polished. The old alchemists put out ingredients, fired up cauldrons, poured flasks, mixed and salted and stirred to seek the pure and perfect stone, the soul stone. Rather like cooking a poem. Of all the poems, the red poems are the hottest and the most delicious. Red poems may drip the hot blood of roast beef on roasted potatoes and hot peppers. They run with red wine sipped from burgundy wine glasses. They steam red pudding, red lentils, red hot sauce. Dessert demands dark red, chocolate cherry cake, viscous and surreptitious and delicious. And two, the hot poems burn with passion, with obsession. Consider the red light districts of the world, not green light districts, not blue light districts, nor white light districts. <laughs> Consider the scarlet letter, the A standing for adultery, unpuritan and unshackled. Consider the burgundy velvet passion of my own wedding dress, worn in Puritan Boston in 1969, color of theater curtains, color of gauze and red ribbons and ruby slippers. To most of us, red is lust, red is love. But to the painters and philosophers of the past, the color red meant otherwise. Gauguin used color not to define form, but to give musical sensations which spring from its inner power, its mystery. Kandinsky agreed with Goethe before him that red light stimulates the heart. Franz Marc, painter of red horses and yellow skies, declared that red is the material, brutal and heavy, ever the color that must be resisted and overcome by blue and yellow. Cadmium red, the pigment created when cadmium sulfide is cooked with selenium, is toxic, deadly, a known carcinogen. Yet, cadmium red can be calm and warm, 
vibrant as the red in Matisse's red studio, a studio suffused in red light, the optical afterglow of the painter's cool green morning garden. Red, too, is the color of compulsion. Consider the fairy tale of the red shoes twirling their orphan girl's captive feet, refusing to stop or to walk, repudiating the opinions of her small village with its small church. The red shoes dance to their own music, and so the compulsion to create is propelled by its own music. And that music is a song by the Grateful Dead called Rhapsody in Red. But what does red mean to me? What does it mean to you? Does it mean fire, as in fireside chat, fireplace, campfire, by the light of the fire, forest fires raging in the West? Or does it stand for rage, the matador and the bull, the beast pawing dirt and charging the red cloak? Or is it the wolf and the red cape, little red riding hood climbing into bed with her future? Or is it the red shift, the wavelength of light stretching as the universe expands? Or is it the red flag, the red of revolution, the red of the red, white, and blue, the American Revolution? To me, rhapsody is ecstasy, and ecstasy is red. Rhapsody colors the midnight alleys, neon lights and mirrors and bottles, ruby lips and ruby slippers that will find their own way home. Rhapsody in red is a jazz combo in heat. Rhapsody in red is Miles Davis blowing the red China blues, rocking the red China blues, taking it all home on the red China blues. This podcast was produced by Jack Straw Productions as part of the Jack Straw Writers Program. The 2009 curator of this program is Donna Miskolta. Music performed by Amy Rubin and Dawn Clement and recorded as part of the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. Producer is Jenny Cecil Moore. Recording engineers are Mo Preventure, Tom Stiles and CJ Lazenby. Narrator is Amy Broomhall and executive director of Jack Straw Productions is Joan Rabinowitz. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the Paul G. Allen Family Foundation, Arts Fund, Poncho, the Mayor's Office of Arts and Cultural Affairs, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, and individual contributors. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology, available for purchase and featured online at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening.